All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get started. It's 2.15. My name is Tracy Coral, and um, I am a missionary associate, and my whole focus of field is serving the needs and concerns of people with disabilities and their families. Um, you have a folder that it's not anything that you need right now. It's just extra resources for you to have when you go back home. One of the things that I'll highlight that's in there, can I hold that for just one second? I'll take this. This, how many of you are children's pastors? Okay, or children's directors, whatever that you hold that leadership role. This is a disability awareness day kit that you can actually do with your children in your children's services. Because one of the things that we're gonna talk about is understanding one another helps us to have compassion for each other. And when we have to serve and do things differently from kids, what's the first thing that they ask us? Why do, why do they get to do that? Why can't I have that? But when we understand that everyone is made different and there are things that you need that someone else won't need. And I've taught kids before, I call it the Band-Aid lesson. And I ask them to tell me someplace that they've been hurt and I put the Band-Aid on the same place on every single kid, even if they tell me a different spot. And I'll say, if you went to the doctor and that's how he helped you heal, would it work? No. It's the same way when we teach people about Jesus, sometimes we have to do it in ways that help them the best. So this is a, a fun thing, and we'll actually do some of these activities today. But... Um, one of the big things that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about practical things. We're going to talk about um, perspectives. We're going to talk about what it could look like in your church at home. Um, so the first thing that I will share with you, um, when it comes to d disability awareness or special needs, it says understanding leads to compassion, not pity. Because the last thing that any person needs from us is pity. Because when we pity someone, we block their purpose. We see them as less than, that they are not good enough or that they can't do more. But what we do know is that God created every single person with a purpose, and it is our job as leaders to facilitate that for them in whatever way that might look like. Okay? So let's talk a little bit about what it is. Well, first of all, let me ask you, how many of you are in here are already working with children that have special needs? Okay. How many of you are in here going, I'm terrified, and you're not alone? You're unsure. What if I'm doing it, what if I do it wrong? What if I'm already doing it wrong? Those are all natural feelings. How many of you know someone personally that has special needs? Okay, that's, did you, put your hands back up. Look around the room. We're going to talk about some statistics here that are going to show how common it really is. So first of all, what is a disability? A disability is a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits some type of life activity. Okay? And it's one in every four people are touched by disability. One in every nine children. 61 million Americans and one billion in the world. Those are not small numbers. But if we start to consider what does that look like inside of our churches, do our statistics match our numbers in our churches? No. 90% of people with disabilities don't attend church. So here's some types, mobility, physical, maybe they have to use a wheelchair, a walker, um, they have spinal cord injuries, head injuries, traumatic brain injury, vision, hearing, cognitive learn learning, or psychological, and then invisible, which these are things we cannot see but go on inside of them. Um, you, how many of you already, someone came to your mind? when we already talked to one of those lists. Because it's very common, but we don't act like it's common. Okay, so here's the negative way 
that we can view people with special needs. Pitied, helpless, we fear them, we're scared, they make us anxious, and most of that is on us and not them. And it's because it's our fear of the unknown. We look at them as if they're sick. We look at adults like they're childlike. And sometimes we consider that they have a special status with God because they should have a free pass into heaven. But I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says to go and tell all. There isn't an exception. So we get to deliver the gospel and God works in their heart regardless of their ability or disability. Now the positive view, we can look at them with natural capabilities. We can look at them that we can build relationships with them. We can look at people with special needs that they can make contributions and we can be sure to make sure that they can have full participation in life. So let's look at our biblical background here. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2.10. Now I could, I could list fearfully and wonderfully made. We could look at the scriptures where um, Jesus said, who made this man, who made who was blind, deaf, or mute. We could go through all kinds of scriptures, but he created us. We are made in his image. And he has a purpose for us, and that is to glorify him. The next, um, I wanted to show you a video, but there's not a sound thing here. So if you get a chance, look it up. It's all, you can find it on YouTube, Vimeo. It's called The Five Stages of Disability Attitudes. And I'm going to read you a little clip from it. And it says, the most disabling condition in any church or community isn't autism, it's not Down syndrome, it's not cerebral palsy, or the inability to walk or talk. It's not even inaccessibility of a structure. The most disabling condition is the attitudes and worldviews of the majority. To view someone as less than or dispensable is dehumanizing. And the root is a sin issue. It's counter to the heart of God. And this is where I typically share um, from 1 Corinthians 12, where it tells us about the different parts of the body and that we were made with different giftings and that that's all a part of his plan. He is sovereign. We know we can look back, we can go to Adam and Eve and we can talk about the fall and that's why there's brokenness in this world. But it's what we choose to do with it and how we look at people. And our first most important thing isn't to know how to work with someone with autism. It's not how to get a child with ADHD to calm down. It's to make sure that we look at them through the same lens that God does. Because we can know all the tips and tricks of the world, but if we don't see them as God sees them, we've lost it all. Um, so the next part, first I'll talk, let me cover this first. So the five stages of disability attitudes, first step is ignorance. That is, we, we either don't know that they exist or we choose not to know. Um, the next stage is pity. We feel bad for them. We think their life, it, we just think it's terrible that they have to deal with the things that they do. The next stage is caring. And caring is, I see that they have a need, and I can, I can probably help need that, fill that need. Or I can find someone who can help fill that need. Now, as you see, they start from worse to getting to better, right? The next stage is, I, as a friend, I can see them as building a relationship, as a friendship. I have something to offer to them, and they have something to offer to me. And the last stage, which is the most ideal stage, is to see people with special needs, people with disabilities, as co-laborers in Christ. Because is that not what we do as kidmen to see that, disciple that in them, grow them up to, from the time that they're little, to show that they have purpose in God all the way through, right? So 
the, the quote there, it's cut off a little bit, but it says, if God has called each of us to serve and praise him with every fiber of our beings, then he has done the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ with disabilities. I think ministry should not just be to people with disabilities, but alongside people who have disabilities. Together, we can encourage and equip each other with and without disabilities into every good work. We can all give and we can all receive. All of the, everything that you see on here, I've uploaded it to Sketch so you can download it at your convenience. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Now, I can't share with you about every type of disability. We'd be here for a year. Their broad spectrum is so large, it's just impossible. So what I wanted to share with you today is some of the, the top ones that we hear about the most. So we're going to start with autism. I love the definition. It's always so defining, gives you everything you need to understand it. Autism or autism spectrum disorder refers to a broad range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behavior, speech, and nonverbal communication. Good definition, right? You would totally be like, yep, autism. How many of you have experienced someone with autism before? Do they all fit into this little exact? Some do. Some do. Right, it's a broad spectrum. Some do and some don't. You'll see some characteristics that fit this and some that do not at all. I have um, a friend that I taught with. Her son is diagnosed with autism. I've known him since he was 13. He's now 18. Um, he has no problem socially connecting. He actually a little overconnects. But most people tagged that have that stereotypical autism, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at you, I'm gonna the communication isn't there. It's just it's such a broad spectrum that it's not easily identifiable. But here are some, those are the basics of what we look at. And so what is it like? What does it feel like? What do they experience? Well, again, not everyone feels or experiences the same thing. However, we know that a lot of people with autism have sensory issues. Okay, so um, you, have two, you have two things. You can be oversensitive or you can, like my son, he's a hard hitter. Like he needs to feel things hard. He needs to experience things hard. But for some, that's going to make them want to lose their marbles. So today what we're going to do, I need a volunteer. And you have to be somewhat okay with being in close quarters with others. So if you're not, if you're not comfortable, and if I call you up here, if you would wear your mask, that would be great. Um, we're going to put you through an experience because we develop compassion when we have understanding of others. So you wanted to come up? Yeah. Awesome. I need um, a couple more, at least three more. Come on up. Someone else? You can sit here. You're gonna come? Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, this is going to be funny because I usually have a really ridiculously hard theological book to read um, <laughs> that you're going to read at her, but it, it, it's, it's for one of my classes I'm taking right now, so <laughs> it got left on the desk. So you're going, to, um, you're going to read part of a sermon that I wrote. So you're going to stand right here in front of her. Okay, but you're going to kind of do it a little, like a little quiet. Okay, and then you are going to tap, tap, tap on her shoulder and talk in her ear. Okay, and then, you know, I've got this little card here, and it's kind of like the itchy tag in your shirt. Okay, so you, you've got a lot of hair. Can you just, a lot of long hair there. Lexi, would you come? And so you're going to tap and talk, and I'm going to talk on this side, and then Lexi's going to be the irritating tag. I love irritating she is loud person. Yes, it's okay. We can do it. Okay, ready, set, go. 
Are you enjoying your day? Did you have a great time? What did you learn today? How did it feel? Can you take that stuff home and use it again? Do you like it? What do you think you're going to do about it? Stop. What did she say to you? Oh, who knows? <laughs> OK, those are brief seconds of an experience. But some people with autism carry that 24-7. And what we see is what you started to see was the frustration on her face. But we don't understand what her body's trying to do to process all of that. So we need to be understanding that not, first of all, some of our kids will come into our ministries. Here, I'll take that. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. We'll come into our ministries, and the parents won't tell us. And the reason they won't tell us is because they're afraid that we're going to say they can't stay. So we can't always assume why a kid is doing what they're doing. We may not have the whole story. Okay? Second, we need to think about our ministry settings. We need to think about what the kids are walking into. Listen, kids' ministry typically... Loud. <laughs> colors. Right? Um, I don't know about you, but at my home church, there's like games set up around the room. So when the kids first come in, in case they're coming in all at different times. So it's a bit chaotic. And I'm not telling you stop all the things you do. However, you may need to provide different opportunities for other kids. There may have to be a quiet space. Because that child may be able to come into your room and listen to your message they just might not be able to handle all the extra. And maybe you need to build different structures within your timing that gives them the ability to be able to participate in things that are a little calmer. And because you have kids that are opposite, right? You need, you need it jumping just to get their attention, right? I'll give you an example. We had a little guy at our church who... Um, our, my children's pastor came to me and she said, listen, we got to do something because he's like darting out of the room and right down the hallway is a parking lot and a busy road. She was terrified he'd run outside. What we came to learn is in the beginning when the music was just playing while all the kids were coming, he'd come in and he'd dart out because he just couldn't. It was too much for him. So what, what did we do? First step, we offered him a pair of headphones. That didn't work. Okay. Next step, we have a quiet room. He goes to the quiet room first, hangs out there. Once that she starts her, the message portion of the service, then he goes in. Then he started to become so comfortable with being in there that we went back to the headphones. And what we noticed was when he was in the quiet room, there's a little keyboard in the corner. He enjoyed making the noise. He didn't enjoy the noise coming at him. But then we thought, what can we do? It was actually my son who um, made him out of uh, two paper plates and a styrofoam, a piece of styrofoam, made him a drum that he could take in. Then he was contributing to the noise. So he was OK with it. He was a part of it. He felt in control. Now, that may not work for every single kid. And we had to go through the things and figure out what might work. So thinking about ministry tips, or avoid sensory overload. Consider things like headphones, simplifying the room, making groupings and things instead of putting it all over all the walls. Um, use um, some kids with autism. Another thing that we have to consider is they may be very concrete thinkers. So when you're sharing gospel concepts, that are abstract, we need to find ways to use visuals. We need to um, show things in, with concrete language. We need to be predictable in our schedules. I don't always have to do the same types of activities, but I can always keep the same flow of a schedule. So for example, this is my friend that I was just telling you about. This is actually his little picture schedule. And you can actually go online, and it's free, to get church visual pictures. 
And this is just a paint stick from Home Depot and some Velcro. And whenever he had to go into the quiet room, like it wasn't just free time for him because listen, if it was just free playtime, he's not coming out. So what we did was some of these were non-optional. They didn't move. And then he had choices with other things. So he would do the first two things and then he'd have the non-optional and then he'd finish the last. So, but this was a predictable schedule because it was the same type of things all in the same order. And he felt he had control because he could pick some things. So sensory outlets. So when you guys came in, you got two things, or you should have. You should have gotten a fidget, and you would have gotten peppermint. Why did I give you peppermint? It's not because your breath stinks. It might, it's after lunch, but the peppermint actually is supposed to help you to concentrate. Now, can you give every kid a peppermint? No, but they might be allowed to chew gum, or maybe a gummy, or something, or a hard piece of candy. You need to clear that with the parents and make sure there's no food allergies, and possibly have a discussion with that child about what's appropriate with their gum. <laughs> but um, those are some things. I have some things up here, and you guys are more than welcome to look at them after. These, my children love these. However, they need instruction. They're great because they're soft. They can come around your thing, but they can also be a weapon. So everything that we do, it's not like free, like here, have all these. You're gonna, they're gonna receive some instruction with it. Um, and then there's some other like less intrusive things where this is, I'm just fidgeting this. I can fidget with this little ball in my hand and I just move them. It's like a Rubik's cube. You can use it for intellectual reasons, but it can just be a fidget. Because I don't know about you, the fidget spinner things, when I was teaching, made me nuts. Because they make this little whirly noise. Um, but these are, there's all kinds of options. How many of you remember these like as kids, but they were like squares, and you had to get the little loops through different things? It does, it does nothing, doesn't create noise, doesn't create an issue. You, it, but this is also where it is a very good thing to have a conversation with all of your kids about how people need different things. Because listen, everybody's going to want this. And that's OK. You work through those things. You talk about it. Another thing that I put on there is suggestion timers. OK, if you're playing games pre-service, it's hard to transition sometimes from one thing to the next. So it could be a sand timer. It could be a timer on your screen that you found on YouTube. It could be just an in individual timer for a child that's at a specific center that they like to play at. Okay, let's go on to the next one. So ADHD is a chronic condition marked by persistent inattention, hyperactivity, and sometimes impulsivity. So this is actually ADHD, ADD. It's a, that's a mix of, of the definitions because there's three types. You can have the inattentive where that's kind of like your daydreamer. You're having a hard time catching their attention. The hyperactivity and um, impulsivity. I'm blessed with two children in that uh, category. And sometimes you can have a combination of both. So what do we do with these kids? How do we help them? Um, structure and routine. Again, with the schedule, why? Because their attention is lost. And if you have a structure and a routine, they can catch back up with you because they know what's coming next. So you don't completely lose them. Um, Another one, break down tasks and directions into smaller parts. Because if you give them the whole thing at once, they're not hearing it all. Not only that, they have forgotten it one or two steps in. Um, simplify information for the same purpose. Don't go all in depth all at once. Keep it simple, keep it concrete. Um, and this is also where you use visual songs, all the different things use things where they can interact. So for example, if you guys see there's the bins on the floor, if anyone who's by one wants to pick it up and open it, these are Bible experience boxes. These are interactive stories that tell your Bible story. 
And as it's telling the Bible story, you take the Velcro piece off and you place it in the story. That serves two purposes. First of all, the stories are very simple. But second of all, I have a task to do while I'm listening. So it's making you interactive. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, it's called Teachers Pay Teachers. These are on there. This is where I got them from. Uh, teachers Pay Teachers. And if you just look up Bible Interactive, there's tons of Bible curriculum on there. Tons. Um, but this, and then in the box, you have things. So this is the story of Jonah. So we have a whale. We have Jonah. We have a boat. We have all those things so they can touch and feel while they're listening and hearing the story. And the th neat thing about these is a lot of kids who have disabilities, whether we're talking this is good for kids with autism, this is good for kids with ADHD, for learning disabilities, this works for all of them. But they're familiar with this type of thing. So in a school, they're using these things where they're doing the Velcro schedules and the things. So it's not a new thing we're expecting them to learn how to use. So that works really well for them as well. Um, the other thing, um, using all the modalities, that's using the boxes, that's doing the sounds, that's doing the music, that's doing all of those kinds of things to get them interacting because that's utilizing um, different things to catch their attention. Another thing, allowing for breaks. Because a child with ADD, ADHD, to sit and listen, they're using every last bit of everything they have to listen to you, okay? That's why when you have a, a fidget in your hand to fidget with while you're listening, that gives you an outlet, but sometimes you still need more than that. So you give them a way to, uh, to break. And that's why, and you, it's already built into a lot of your schedules at church. You start with them playing a game. Then you do worship. Movement, movement, now they're listening to the message. Then you're doing maybe prayer stations, movement again. You're, you're giving them, you're already building, building in those different experiences for them that give them, because it's a break from sitting. Now some kids might need a bigger break. They might need to take a walk in the hallway and come back. It just depends on the child. And that's providing the escape valves, that's the fidgets. That's the taking a break. That's doing different movements, experiencing different things. The last thing is kids with ADHD, more specifically, um, are typically tagged the bad kids, right? Because they're into things. They're, they're, they're maybe disrupting all of that kind of stuff. And when you are continuously told no, stop it, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. What do you start believing about yourself? I'm the bad kid. I'm not worth it. Why even try at this point? Right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to mess up again. So sometimes we have to ignore the little things. Now, you can't ignore everything because then you're creating a monster. Because they think, well, I got away with this, so then I can do this. But there are minor things that we can let go that aren't disruptions into what we're doing. It should never completely, it should never distract another kid from being able to hear. It shouldn't harm anyone ever. But little things like, oh, when I was teaching first grade, we had the, like, the tile floors, and I would have kids moving their chairs, and I might have some sensory issues myself, because I can't, I could not stand the noise. I really couldn't. But I had three boys in my classroom that had ADHD. Now, I found all kinds of things. I put rubber band things on their chairs to help them move and all kinds of stuff. But I needed to figure out a way for their minimal behavior that wasn't causing any problem for anyone else. So I started playing like classical music really low in my classroom all day long. 
It didn't do anything but drown out those little noises for kids who had a hard time paying attention and for myself so that it didn't become a distraction for me while I was teaching. Okay, let's move on. Oh, wait, we have a really fun one to do with this. We need one volunteer. You, I need your help, Lexi. She's really good at this one, I'm not. We usually, there's a, a website called um, understood.org. Yeah, that um, you can actually go on and there are kids that will talk to you and tell you what their experiences are. There are videos of them, they're really neat. And I always use it to um, show ADHD. However, their website's down right now, so it's not working. So, volunteer, anybody? Sure, come on. So, if we can describe ooh, ADHD some, I'm going to go this way so she's not in the light. I'm going to come stand right behind here. Um, it's basically, it's a distraction of your thoughts constantly. Okay, so you're trying to achieve a task and then you've got another thought. Then you're trying to do another thing and you've got another thought. Oh, I've got to get this done today, but then, oh, what about that? It's constant distraction from your thoughts. So what we're going to do is Lexi is going to give you instructions of what to do with these cards, okay? And I'm going to be your distracting thoughts, okay? And she's not going to make it easy, so just be prepared. Okay. All right? Ready? Go. What did you have for lunch today? Did you get that work done at the home? Did you do your laundry? What about did you? What about the blue clothes? Red? Did you get the red shirt? And obviously that's that's somewhat extreme, but consistent disruption of your thoughts when you're trying to complete a thing. And we might look at a child and go, "Can you please just do what I said?" Are you following directions? Why didn't you listen to what I said the first time? But what we didn't think about is that they were doing everything that they possibly could to try to listen. But it's one of those invisible disabilities that we don't necessarily see on the outside that sometimes it's hard to understand that it's going on on the inside. And I'll tell you, um, I didn't fully understand this until an adult actually explained how they were feeling to me. We do, um, well, we used to do what was called a passion play at our church. And I was like a stage hand. I opened the door and let people in on stage when it was their time. And um, I had kids backstage and I had adults and I'd keep them all quiet and all that kind of stuff. And, one of the adults, he would just pace and pace and pace. And at one point I said to him, I'm like, listen, you're worse than the kids. And he then told me he has ADHD. And he said that if he were to come into church on Sunday morning and force himself to sit in the chair and listen to pastor, he said, I will not get anything. I won't remember what he said. I won't remember what it's about. He said, but if I just stand at the back of the sanctuary going from leg to leg, I can tell you everything. I can remember his whole sermon. Sometimes we need to make those accommodations for the kids that are in our rooms because it's just sometimes as simple as that. And listen, that can sometimes work for kids that are diagnosed and not diagnosed. All right, so the next one is intellectual uh, disabilities or learning disabilities, and they're characterized by significant limitations both in intellectual functioning, reasoning, learning, problem solving, and in adaptive behavior, which covers a range of everyday social and practical skills. So first, let's talk about what it's like. Um, I have a couple of, how many of you like came together and wouldn't mind working as a team? Just need two, like two people teams, okay? So I'm going to give you this to start. I'll give you that to start. Who over here saw a team here? Okay, anybody else? Oh, don't worry. You're both going to have to do something. She's like, I'm handing it off. No, like I already volunteered. Okay. 
And then they give her an option. Okay, so now what you I need you to do is I need you to put your chairs back to back. Do you want to give them the markers? Sorry. Was there anyone else who wanted to do it? I have one more. Okay. Oh, you don't have one? Oh. Lexi might have one. We'll see if we can find one for you. Do we have an extra fidget? Okay. <laughs> okay, so the person who has the notebook right now, open it. And I want you to flip to a clean page. And you are going to draw the wackiest, weirdest shape you can think of. But it has to be connected. Like it can't have an open piece. So like, watch my hand. Something, but like make your own. Okay? Got to be quick. Once you're done, rip your paper out and keep it. But give the notebook and the marker to your partner. Okay. So now, is everybody switched? You have 30 seconds to describe to them how to draw the shape you made. Ready, set, go. No, 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 you can't look. That's why you're back to back. Don't look, don't let her see it. Are you ready? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, now stand up, show everybody your papers. Okay. So, did anybody get close? You got, you got the four, the four ends. All right. That, that, I'm not sure what happened there. All right. Okay. All right. You can just put those papers and markers down to your side. You can put your chairs back if you want. It, well, you can go around. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we need to understand when it comes to intellectual and learning disabilities is that not every time is the information that we deliver received, okay? So the people who were giving the directions on their shape, I know some of you felt pretty confident in how you were explaining it, right? But was it received? No. And that goes, this is with really every relationship that we come across. Just because we said it, just because we delivered it, doesn't mean that it was received in the way that we intended for it to be. Does that make sense? Okay, so how do we, how do we help with that, right? So we keep things simple. We break it down. And that's what you guys were trying to do. Now, we gave you an impossible situation, right? You had 30 seconds to describe this ridiculous shape. But when you did, and I know what, what you were doing, is you said, okay, this, line, this many lines do this, go here. Like, he was giving really good directions. You really were. But you broke it down. You did piece by piece and curve by, you know, like, turn. So that's the best way to do it, right? It's not like you don't walk into church on the first day and they give you the whole Bible in one day, right? We get that information broke down for us. And it looks different from our preschool kids to our sixth grade kids. So we're already doing these kinds of things. But just like the Bible boxes that you had in front of you, it's very simple. Their pictures, they're not, the pictures aren't super detailed because we don't want them to get lost in the details that don't matter. 
We focus on the things that do matter, okay? Then use concrete language examples, okay? If you say Jesus is the bread of life, that's biblical, right? <laughs> but the kids are going to go, did you bring me some bread today? Right? But we can talk about being hungry and wanting to know more about Jesus. Right? My son has autism. He used to say, you're supposed to give me more than just bread to eat, Mom. The Bible says bread is the same thing. I told him But that's, and a lot of the Bible are those symbolic examples. So we need to find ways to make them real and tangible. Okay? And that's even like in some of the Bible boxes. There are fish in there. There's fishing net. There's all those parts of the story. Now, there's a whole lot more to those stories than the, than the characters and the things like that. But we need to build the base of their understanding so we can go from there. And here's the thing. This is what we really need to know. God does not need our intellectual abilities. He speaks directly to our hearts. It is our job to deliver the information the best way that we can, but it is his job to do with it what he wants. Okay, so don't take on the pressure of I have to know everything to do everything because I've seen God do some pretty amazing things in situations I wasn't sure how he was going to work. One of the examples that I can give you, um, I worked with a lady. We, the, 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 I'm a part of Special Touch Ministry and uh, we have summer getaways. So there are camps, it's a week-long camp for people with intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities. And uh, one of the, the, it was the second getaway that I had volunteered at, I was paired with a lady who, um, she was nonverbal, and she was probably 18, I think. Um, but the whole entire week, I led her with my hand to every single thing we did. She didn't go anywhere or do anything except steal some cheese balls, without me taking her, which was bad because she's supposed to be gluten-free, but I later learned that cheese balls are gluten-free. So that's just your extra piece of knowledge for today. But um, at the end of the week, I was just really praying in the, in the last service and just asking God, you know, show me. I know you don't have to show me, God, but show me. Like, has she gotten anything this week? Has she received anything? I can't ask her in a way that she can tell me. And at the end of that service, I went up to um, the altar. They'd asked leadership to come up and pray with those who came to the altar. And um, I had what was called a CIT that week, which is a caregiver in training. It's a teenager. So she was working with me. And um, I turned around, and this girl that I had been with all week was standing in front of me. And my CIT was standing behind her, and he said, she said, I didn't bring her here. And I started to pray with her and tell her how much God loved her and how precious she was to him. For the first time all week, she looked me directly in the eyes. She had the biggest smile on her face. And I knew that God was confirming, I've got this. It wasn't because of anything I did right all week, except to just be there and be faithful and be with her. It wasn't anything I did. It was all him. So you can walk in and feel like, you don't have a clue. And many times you will, and many times I have. But God can do so much more if we're just willing and faithful to serve his people. Uh, one of the last things I do want to share with you um, about intellectual disabilities is be patient. Allow them time to process what you've given them. Because just because they don't answer you immediately doesn't mean that they didn't receive or understand. They may just need some time to process it. Okay. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is more in concerning behavioral issues. Because that's a lot of what I get asked about. What happens when they melt down? What happens when this goes wrong? What happens if they get angry? What if I can't tr transition them from space to space? Some... Um, People want to put it as a spiritual deficit. I need to just pray that behavior out of them. Listen, there's a difference between spiritual deficit and self-regulation. And many people with disabilities have, ish, have, have struggles regulating their emotions. And that's what we're dealing with for the most part. Am I going to say that the spiritual deficit side doesn't exist? No, it does. 
But for the most part, it's self-regulation. I feel this way and I don't know what to do with it. I feel this way and because I feel this way, I can't figure out what the next step is. So just take that into consideration. And um, the next part is, what do I do? What do I do in those situations? Top number one piece of advice, remain calm even when you're not. Fake it. Because if you rise in your reaction, guess what? They will too. And they'll go higher. So if you remain calm, keep it down, and just work through it in the, in the moment, it'll be okay. I'm going to go through these pretty quick. Use humor to lighten the mood. Sometimes humor is not appropriate. But if you know that that child is someone who likes to laugh, and you know that, that you can distract them with a laughter, do it. If you um, show them that you're listening, because sometimes they might just be used to people getting upset with them. But if you show them that you care and that you're listening, it makes a really big difference. I see that you're upset. I, I noticed that this was happening. Remove the audience. Sometimes a situation becomes intensified. And sometimes other kids are just coming because they're concerned. But that heightens the situation. So being able to separate the other kids from, that, from the situation. Because also, sometimes I want to be an attention getter. And I want everybody to look at me. So you have to remove the stressor and the attention portion. Um, sometimes you just need to give them some space. Um, and that just depends on the kid, how much you can do that. Validate their feelings. I know that you're angry right now. Um, let them. What, what would help you? What, what can I do to help you? Let them know, I want to help you. I'm not angry with you. I'm not upset at you. I want, what can I do for you? Okay? Um, distraction. Talk about something you know that they like. Show empathy. Be willing to find a solution for them. Distract, distract, distract. Okay? That's probably the number one easiest thing that you can do, especially if you know them well enough. Um, don't take items or personal property for them, from them, because in that moment, if they're already upset, you're just escalating the situation. And you're taking anything that they feel control, and you're just causing more of a problem. Um, give an out. Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to, um, how about we'll go to the gym? My church has a gym. You want to go to the gym? We'll throw five basketballs. You can do five shots and then we'll come back. Something like that. Um, invite them to do a preferred activity. Maybe it was simple as, I'm doing a craft activity, you asked me to cut, I stink at cutting, it's always a struggle for me, I can't get my hands on the things and I'm upset. And maybe you just didn't know that. So how about this? Would you prefer this activity? I know my, uh, the children's pastor in my home church, she, a lot of times, it's like she does dual. Like you can choose this one or you can choose this one whenever it comes to an activity that follows up with whatever her message was. And that helps. And she does that on purpose because the girls kind of tend to like this stuff and the boys tend to like this stuff. So she kind of makes sure that they both have something they would prefer to do. Um, let them talk without in interrupting. Okay? All kids need that, right? They just want to be heard sometimes. Um, again, back to ignoring behavior if it's appropriate. Um, and remind them you're not in trouble. Because, listen, if there is any situation that can be a calmer situation, it is in these times in church. Our job is to give them Jesus. It's not all of the other things. I've got like 10 minutes, I think. Okay. Attitude is everything, okay? This is supporting the family. Part of it's cut off. Um, when we support a family with someone with special needs, first of all, what you have to realize is that whole family cannot come to your church unless you serve that child. Because mom and dad can't be there if their child cannot. And when we approach them as if they're burdens to us, because it happens, 
and unintentionally happens. Maybe it's because you're struggling to have volunteers in your room and you know that you need to provide for this child, but how are you going to do it? You don't even have enough volunteers to start with, right? So it's not, but that's not their problem, right? That's, that's for us to figure out. Um, so we want to make sure. We want to consider our building. We want to consider if it's a child who uses a wheelchair, can they get in and out of our spaces? If it's a child who uses um, walker or um, braces, can they move around our children's spaces easily? Um, sometimes you might need to consider specialized. Most places have handicapped spots, but it, in, my, in our parking lot, we have like the main parking lot and there are handicapped spots there, but then we have the area where you can enter by the children's area and there used to not be any. So just considering that they were made for in another spot, it's not, that wasn't forgotten, but if it's, we're trying to make it easy for the family to get inside of the church with their kids, we didn't consider that side before. Um, um, making sure that they feel welcome, seen. So many families are feeling isolated because they can't participate in all the same things as everyone else. So just making sure that we make sure that they know we want them there, we welcome them. And there's nothing wrong with saying to mom and dad, we don't have everything we need right now, but we can work on it. We can work together to help figure this out to make sure that everybody can come, that everybody can be welcome. Um, creating support groups for parents or Bible studies, just simple offering to help them as a family. There are medical appointments and therapies and all kinds of things that those families are doing and running to and trying to take care of. Offering to drop off dinner or, hey, you know what? Walmart makes life easy right now, right? I can go pick up groceries, order them all in my thing. Hey, can I pick up groceries for you? You know, just something that's tangible to show that you care. Respite, offering times of breaks for the parents. We do respite night at our church. We have a, a whole program model at one point before the pandemic. I think we were hitting like 60 families that we had that we were providing rest for, for the parents. Some of them went out to dinner, some went grocery shopping, some went home and took a nap. But um, one of the biggest things that they've missed during the pandemic was being able to have that time of respite. Um, just find ways to bless the family. Send a card. It's easy things, nothing big. Make it, make it a priority. Just like any other kid that's in your ministry, you want to make sure that they feel loved and welcomed. Make sure that that's going the same way too. Because sometimes it can be a little bit hard to love those kids because they, they don't have the same reactions or interactions that you might have with another kid. But that's really no different than most kids in your children's ministry. Some are super, hey, I'm here and I'm so excited to see you. And some are like... Mom made me come. You know, you get that in all around. So that's not new. And I will tell you this, anything that you do, anything that you do for a child with special needs will only benefit the rest of the kids. Everything that I've shown you here today, really any kid in your ministry could use. They really could. So it's not saying, please take on another load it's really just opening up our minds to the different things that kids need and going, hey, that's something easy I could put in with the rest of my, you know what? I'm going to have a couple extra pairs of headphones in my, in my children's thing. I actually bought um, disposable ones that you put in your ears. Now, some kids can't handle that. But um, you can actually go by at the at Dollar Tree. They have like grass cutting ones. Because you would think, well, if a kid would need that, they would come with it, but not always. And sometimes it's just a level of safe. They just feel safe with it on. Maybe it's, you know what, I'm going to have a bin of fidgets to make available to the kids. We're going to talk about it, and they're going to understand what's okay and what's not okay. Maybe it's doing the disability awareness thing with the kids. There's so, we don't have enough time today, but there's so many more. I do one where they're blindfolded and they have to make their way through the room. Um, another one where um, I have these googly glasses 
they wear and they have to color in the, like, the really intricate pictures and see what that's like to have to try to deal when somebody says, here's a coloring sheet. And you're like, I can't see it. You know, those kinds of things. So um, before we go, uh, I want to, do you have questions? Anything that I can answer for you? Anything that brought up some thoughts? Yes. Okay. Well, he actually, he was kind of okay with me because I didn't push him up my helper and I was like the elements of the sanctuary normally in the room and he had helped. And I'm not saying anything good or bad or whatever happened because the pastor was in charge, not me. But he told me he was out of the church for a while. I... <laughs> I took that double up from the I just, um, it was, you know, he did not, he did not understand, um, the kid didn't understand. He was mm-hmm. But I just wonder if there's like violence or something. I know that, you know, you can't have it. But, you know, the schools and everything else, if you have a disability, they make accommodations. How right. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. It's a, it's you know wonder the bridge now. But what if they do physically do something to somebody? Well, okay, so I, because they're re- recording, I'm going to restate your question, which basically is if there's violence involved, what do you do? Um, here's the thing. If it's not okay for someone who doesn't have a disability, it's not okay for someone who does. Okay, and if you build a precedence that that was okay, it's going to happen again, and it's going to increase. However, that doesn't mean, sorry, you can't come to our church anymore, but maybe that means you sit out for a week. Or, okay. Yeah, well, and here's, here's the number one thing that I, I will, when it comes to aggressive behavior in that respect, Number one thing, safety is key, okay? You, as an adult, if you put your hands on a child who is having a behavior, you're gonna be in trouble. So the number one thing to do is you remove the rest of the kids from the situation. You get them out, you push back any furniture, any whatever, you get that child who's having a meltdown, a behavior, whatever, make sure they're safe and you give them space. And I don't know what your protocols are in your church, but you would, then get that you would get the parents. So it's, um, it, it's, it's not, and there's also a whole lot behind it. Like, was he flailing and he hit her? Was it like that he directly hit? So there's, there's a lot more that goes, yeah, there's a lot more that goes along with the decisions that you make to go with it. But that's also why you keep very close communication with parents. So you know, um, and I think in your folders I put um, what I call an intake form. And in that, in that is questions where you, when you meet the family, you sit and you ask them questions and you write them down. And in that point, not that you're going to know everything, but you're going to know triggers. You're going to know, um, you're going to know what calms them and you're going to know what makes them aggressive. Okay, um, I ran out of my missionary cards. I do have some little itty bitty ones up here I can give you. Anything that we talked about today, any information that you might want, um, anything that you might, situations that you might occur, that's literally my job. You call me, you email me, you want more information. You want, um, because I literally took four trainings and squished them into an hour. So uh, this is something that two weeks ago I spent um, five hours at a church, you know, training their staff. So it's not, um, and this is great for your lead pastors, your whole staff in general, because it affects your greeters. It affects every single person in your church. So these are all, like, we would do a more extensive disability awareness, those kinds of things. I don't want, um, we have one minute left. Um, is there any other, and I'd be happy to talk with you after as well. Yes. Uh, like, I know that there's a way to try to, like, 
Mm -hmm. um, who are you that usually uh, help? So kids who, who are antsy, fidgety, could be kids with ADHD, could be kids with any sensory processing, autism, that kind of stuff. I actually would recommend, um, with a weighted vest, you're going to need parent permission. Um, with, but I buy weighted stuffed animals because uh, a kid sitting in a room with a stuffed animal in his lap doesn't make me stick out. Um, so there are all kinds of them. There's like a, a little hedgehog. He's probably about this big. He's on Amazon for like 12 bucks. Um, you can, there are much, much more expensive ones. You can also take an old stuffed animal, cut out some of the stuffing, put some beans, the dried beans in it, sew them back up, cost you a couple dollars. Um, but that's what I would recommend for that. My, my son benefited from that when he was younger. Um, but he today wouldn't sit with anything because people would see him. So um, that's just a, but with a stuffed animal, it's just less intrusive and feels normal. And a lot of those ones have the sequence things on it, which also gives another sensory thing for them while they're sitting. Okay, any others? Okay, if you want um, my card for more information, I can grab those for you. But other than that, you're good to go. Thank you, guys.